0: Hi, Pastor Rob here from Cities Church and MTL Ministries. What you hold is true, is it really truth? Will what you believe get you through on Judgment Day? Are you keeping to the pattern of sound teaching held out in Scripture? In this series, Truth, Judgment and Eternity, I intend to deliver messages that check the solidness of our Christian foundation so as to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us as Christ's ambassadors on this earth. So this is uh, another sermon in our uh, Colossians. We started this Colossians study about two years ago. Text is Colossians. Turn into Colossians, everybody. Colossians 3, verse 11 to 17. And it says, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, that's our verse by verse study for today. There's only, uh, I think, seven or six verses there. Now, just a quick breakdown of those verses. Uh, 3.11 talks about that Christ is all and is in all. He's not saying that God is a pantheistic God, that everything is God. That means this pulpit is God. This computer is God. And you know how that rolls over is that we are God. Is it ridiculous to think that the creation can also be the creator? That means an ant created itself. That means that we created ourselves, and it rolls over into all that Gnostic teaching and all the new age beliefs that we are gods and that we created the universe and all this rubbish. But no, Christ is all, meaning uh, he's talking at, in, in the sense of the body of Christ, that we are all part of the body of Christ and is in all He is in and through all of all of his creation, but he is not his creation. He is separate and he's independent of his creation. Amen. And we know that in the person of Jesus, Jesus was an independent person, wasn't he? But he was also God in man. 3.12 says, clothe yourselves with compassionate qualities. That's what it's telling us. We could all do with a little bit more. And now the compassionate qualities are listed in this this verse. 3.13 says, bear with and forgive each other. And I'm sure, you know, as family members, we've all got to learn to bear with each other. Steph, do you have to bear with Lydia sometimes? And Lydia, you have to bear with Steph. Yes. Then you've got to bear with your parents, and the parents have got to bear with you. You've got to oh, put up with each other. <laughs> a lot of bears in that house. And we've also got to forgive, because a lot of the time, you know how many families don't forgive each other? And, and they divide because they've, they did one little thing to each other, or not probably a little, probably a big thing, and then they split, and the families no longer speak to each other. And in, inside uh, you know, family units, they break up. And you know, forgiveness is the heal-all of all that, learning to forgive. So bear with and forgive each other. 314 it says to put on love. So you don't just you're not just a loving person by nature. In a lot of a lot of cases there are those people that are born loving people. You know, those sort of people that you get around and they always make you feel welcome and love loved when you're with them. But how many people do you get around and they don't have that coming off them at all? But as a Christian it tells us that we've got to put on love. We've got to put it on like a garment. We've got to decide in the morning, I'm going to love today. I'm going to be loving towards my friends. I'm going to be loving towards my family. It's a decision. And that is a a decision that we all have got to make every day because we could all do with being more loving. Amen? Amen. Uh, 3.15 says, let peace rule in your hearts. Have peace in your hearts. And you know, this, this scripture means more today than ever because... You know, there's a lot of teaching out there at the moment, and I, and I agree with a lot of it too. That we are living in the end times, and this teaching puts fear in people. Uh, and it's, it, it's of course, it's going to be by, by the nature of the teaching, it's going to create fear. You know, I've taught on end times, and to the um, to an unbeliever who doesn't know Jesus, yes, you should fear end times. But to a believer, we should find peace in Christ despite how bad things could get in the future. Now, this peace he's talking about, he, remember the, the context of which Paul was writing was he was writing from prison. He was writing this letter from prison. That means he was in prison. He was strapped up against the wall, more than likely, with, with uh, you know, chains around his wrists and his ankles, and he was getting beaten on a daily basis. And he's talking to people who are being persecuted, getting beaten. And what did he say to them? Let the peace of, let peace of Jesus or the peace of Christ rule your hearts. All right, so we've got to remember this peace. Who, can, who finds peace in this life, in Jesus? Put up your hand if you find peace. All right. What about when things at school don't go well? What about when your friends don't treat you the way you should be treated? What about when people pick on you? What about when um, things get difficult? You know, when you're failing a subject or you're finding a subject difficult, do you look to Jesus and find peace? You know, when the workplace gets unbearable, do you look to Jesus and find peace? And I'm saying this to me as much as to you. We've got to keep finding our peace in Jesus because He's there to see us through every element of our life, not just the things that we uh, um, think He should be involved in. He wants to be involved in everything. Amen. Mm -hmm. 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. So now he's telling us, like, we, we've got to put on love, we've got to remember to find peace in Jesus, but we've got to let the word of Christ dwell in us, that, that the Bible has got to be part of us. I'm a bit of a question asker in this church, aren't I? But put your hand up if you are a Christian here, if you are a Christian. Yeah. Now, what is a quality? Put a little May Lee's hand up to me. Yeah, Christian. If you're a Christian, what's, what's some things that uh, it, it, uh, an unbeliever would look at and say, yes, that person definitely is a Christian? What's some qualities of Christian character that should be in you? Uh, going to church. Or going to church. Love. Reading the Bible. Love. Love. Not taking part in certain worldly things. Not getting so involved in worldly things. Humble. Yep. Humble. Humble. Uh, what about Generous. prayer? Prayerful. 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 Generous, Generous people. All right, these are all qualities. The quality that uh, I was seeking after was what Tessa said, uh, and it's in relation to the scripture, that they would read the Bible. Right? They would know their Bibles. Right? It would be really easy for them to navigate the Bible. I'm saying that so you guys get to know your Bibles better because you should be able to navigate your Bible for real. But you should pretty well be able to articulate, meaning you should be able to t- tell someone what's in the Bible pretty easily. If they say, "Well, you're you're a Christian, you read the Bible. What is the Bible all about? Give me a rundown." And you should be able to in a in a, a certain space of time be able to discourse on that or be able to tell people a little bit about that. Yeah? So who's reading the Bible here? All right, make sure you do. Make sure you do. You can't be a Christian and not read the Bible. Yeah. You got to read the Bible and you know it's to be true. Is that true? Make sure you do it, you know, because it's not me that's going to be judged on judgment Day. it's you. I'm going to be judged, but for me, I'm not going to be judged for you. Do you know what I mean? I'd love to to take your judgment on me, but I can't, sorry. And it says, as the last part of this, so the 316 was, let the word of Christ dwell in you. 317 says, do all things in the name of the Lord. Do all things. That means... Every element of your day, you do it in the name of Jesus. So when you go to school, who are you going to school in the name of? Jesus. You go, in the, you go to school in the name of Jesus. You go to work in the name of Jesus. You, every interaction is in the name of Jesus. Who thinks like that when they're in the day, in the normal day? Not all the time. Should we think like that all the time? The Bible tells us to do everything in the name of the Lord. So make sure you sort of wake up and remind yourself of that. That's a really good one just to put as a reminder every morning when you, you do your devotions, and I hope you all do your devotions every morning, just have a little reminder. Do everything this day in the name of the Lord. Put it on your visor of your car or on your mirror of your car. Do everything in the name of the Lord. And live live like that. Live with that in mind. This day is the Lord's. I will do everything in the name of the Lord. Amen. Okay, so Christ is all and is in all. The scripture, and I'm going to just take it a bit further with using the amplified version, Colossians 3.11, it says, In this new creation, all distinctions vanish. We are a new creation, aren't we, in Christ Jesus? We are the new creation. It says, In this new creation, all distinctions vanish. He goes on to explain what that is. There is no room for, and there can be neither Greek nor Jew. So he's, he speaks straight away of the... the the nationality which was common of the day, which was the, the Greek language, which was spoken uh, worldwide or the known world, uh, or, or the Jew because that's he was coming from the Jewish perspective because it was Judaism that Christianity came out of. So can be neither Greek nor Jew, meaning there's now no distinction between the two and neither should we think of them as two separate distinct things. This is more evidence that we are Israel, if you know what I mean. We have become Israel. We were grafted into uh, Israel. there should be no distinction between greek or jew circumcised or uncircumcised again that could be greek or jew nor difference between nations whether alien meaning barbarians which was those people outside of that weren't greek or didn't speak the greek language they were called barbarians or scythian and the uh, amplified ads who are the most savage of all so that's like real sav- just savages just living in the jungle you know um, who knows what, you know, level of that, but it was probably all those levels, you know, where they uh, cannibalistic maybe, all right? Nor slave or free man, so regardless of whether you, you ha- you're a slave or you're not a slave, because pe- in those days there were slaves, but Christ is all and in all. Christ is all and in all. He, he basically overrides all that stuff, everything and everywhere to all men without distinction of person. So under Christ we have the true human race as intended by God when when we were first created. Under Christ we are the human race, one race. Not however many races there are on earth today. One race, one race of people called the human race. And Jesus came and he, through Christ, united all men under one common faith, those that would receive him. Now, no, all other religions try to do that. Islam is trying to do that. Hinduism is trying to do that. No matter what sort of faith you go, they're trying to combine and unite. But this, the faith of Christianity has been united by the creator who created humans. Does that make sense? If God created humans, he knows how to unite them, and he will unite them in a way which won't cause division and chaos later. Amen? Mm-hmm. Alright, so Romans three twenty-two to twenty-four says, "This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Uh, there is no difference between Jew or Gentile." Again, he says that there's no difference. Also in Romans ten twelve to thirteen, he also says there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for we have all sinned. See, we've all sinned, and we fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. You know, the common denominator among all of those who aren't Christian or even are Christian is we've all sinned. Every race has sinned. There's not a single man, apart from Jesus Christ, there's not a single man who's ever lived who has not sinned, who has not done wrong, who has not transgressed, meaning um, done wrong in the eyes of God. There's not a single man. Uh, And so that's the common thing that makes us all the same, you know, despite colour. Okay, so Colossians 3.12 says, Clothe yourselves, therefore, as God's own chosen ones. Clothe yourself as God's chosen ones. His own picked representatives who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself by putting on behaviour marked by tender-hearted pity and mercy. What's a merciful person like? Matthew? Jesus. Jesus, yeah, merciful. What's merciful mean? Merciful means uh, forgiving. Forgiving. Don't uh, keep the rubbish. No record of wrongs. Yeah, yeah. Don't hold grudges. Don't hold grudges. Beautiful. Uh, kind feeling. Yeah, kind to others. Are these qualities, do, they, do you feel when you hear them, you go, yeah, that's me? Uh, a lowly opinion of yourself. There's one. Who has a low opinion of themselves? And this is not low self-esteem. This is a very different thing. <laughs> this is not low self-esteem. All right, that doesn't mean you think you're the worst scum of the earth. <laughs> Even though, you know what, in many respects, humanity has transgressed the law so far that they are the scum of the earth. Right? But in Christ, He's lifted us out of that through His shed blood. But uh, a, a low opinion of yourself is you, that you should not think of yourself uh, more highly than you ought to. Oh. Right, I, I've met people, uh, like just for example, as a, as a piano teacher, I've had people come in. Um, I remember one guy in particular. He came in and he was telling me how good he was on the piano, just raving about how brilliant he is on the phone. And I'm thinking, I'm expecting this guy to come in and just blow my socks off. He came in and he could barely play. He was just doing the most crazy stuff on the piano and made no logical musical sense and it's like he just sat there just scrambling his fingers over the keys and thought, this is awesome. So he had this incredibly high opinion of himself, but he had no justification for it. And you know what? In many respects, we mostly are like that. If we think of ourselves too highly, we're usually um, exaggerated in our mind this sense of who we are. You know. Now, I don't see much of that problem in our church, but I know I've been around churches where there's people that are really you know, arrogant and puffed up with pride, and they just think that there's these super knowledge bases of, of the Bible, and the moment you start talking to them about the Bible, they have to correct you, and then they have to go on this long discourse and tell you what's what in relation to the Bible. You know what I'm saying? But that, that gives a real bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. When they go to churches like that, they come away thinking, those Christians, they're just arrogant. You know, and I don't know how we all got to this place because the Bible is full of scriptures that tell us to have low opinions of ourselves and and have gentle ways. You know, it says here, gentle ways and patience. Who's patient? Yeah, we try. We try to be patient. I think most of you are patient. Um, could we do with more patience? Yes. Yeah? Um, And patience, it says here in brackets, which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. So the power to endure whatever comes. That means patient even in suffering. Romans 13, 14, it says, Rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Clothe yourselves with Jesus Christ. Bear and forgive one another. Colossians 3.13, be gentle and forbearing with one another. And forbearing means patient and restrained. Be gentle and forbearing with one another. And if one has a difference, uh, a grievance or a complaint against another one. So he's telling us real specific, getting down to specifics. If one of you has a complaint against another one, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you. So he's just saying, just pardon each other. If they if you come together and you've got a complaint and you you sort of find a place of resolution just say look I forgive you and forget please forgive me and I find it better a lot of the time in arguments just or it just uh, those sort of things just to say sorry even if you feel you're in the right and I'm completely in the right it's better to be apologetic and both come to that place and apologize because ultimately both of you usually didn't want to come to you know that place of arguing you don't I don't know about you but there's not I don't think there's an argument ever that I really wanted to get into I wanted to find a place of resolution fast through not being able to uh, articulate the correct words a lot of the time we find ourselves arguing because of misunderstandings and one person saying you said this and the other one saying I didn't I said this and no you said this and it's back and forth like that it's crazy And a lot of the time it's just better just to say, mate, I love you, please forgive me. And if you both have that attitude, we resolve things readily and quickly, as the Bible tells us to, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. So just as Jesus forgave you, you must forgive. And here's some scriptures that back that up. Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And that's a, I've always seen that as a pretty scary statement because Jesus says, your heavenly father will forgive you or can forgive you if you forgive others. So in a sense, he's saying, if you don't forgive others, he can't forgive you as well because he can forgive you if you can forgive others. So we've got to have total forgiveness in our heart. So always ask God, you know, have I completely forgiven everyone whatever sins they've done against me? Because none of them have sinned against me as much as, We've all sinned against, against God. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Best way to resolve an argument is love them. You don't want that. You know. You don't want to end in a, in a division. You want to end with love. Uh, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Just as in, God, in Christ, God forgave you, we must forgive others. Amen. Put on love, Colossians three fourteen, and it says, Above all these, put on love. You put it on, as I said earlier. It's got to be placed on you. Don't go through the day if you don't feel like loving people. And what I mean by that is you don't get up and go, I, I, don't, I feel in a real foul mood. I don't even want to say hello to anyone. I don't like people today. You know, and you go out with that attitude, you're going to carry it all day and you're going to have a miserable day. You're going to come home, you're going to feel rotten, you know, you won't want to do anything, you'll lose all your zap for life. You know, if you don't put on love, you lose interest in living. I wouldn't be surprised in in the scheme of things when we start looking at when God reveals the cause of suicide among people, that the elements of that could be. Completely lost any interest or love for humanity, or love for, for self, or love for others. You know, rather be gone. You know, don't let yourself get to those points. Put on love, put on love, and enfold yourselves with the bond of perfectness. Now, I like that one, enfold yourself, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. And the perfectness he's talking about is perfect love. Perfect love. Amen. John thirteen thirty four says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Again, we must. It's not a choice. As a Christian, don't call yourself a Christian if you don't put on love every day because you're falsely representing Jesus. And the days you don't put on love, you are not Christian. You know? Not saying you aren't saved on those days. What I'm saying is you're not being Christ to the people and if you're not being Christ then you're not Christian. You know what I'm saying? You've got to put it on every day. You know, If you have to actually act it out for a little while act it out until you get the hang of it and then live it out. But put it on every day like a garment. Leviticus 19.18 it says Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people but love your neighbour as yourself. So that's right back in Leviticus uh, In the Old Testament, we were told to love your neighbour as yourself, which is what Jesus came preaching as well. And he says, I am the Lord, meaning, remember, I'm the Lord. I told you to do this. If you have any fear of me at all, follow this. Romans 13.8 says, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. Owe nothing to anyone except. That means you should be completely free of all kinds of debt except for your obligation to love one another and if you love your neighbour, you will fulfil the requirements of God's law. And I, I believe it's that scripture in the NIV and other translations say you owe a debt of love. I mean, the debt we have to humanity is to love them and we can never, ever pay that debt. We've got to keep paying it every day. Love them. Love them, love them. Now, you know what? I'm preaching this to me probably more than you guys. I've got to learn to love more. You know, I've got to learn to be patient. I've got to learn to be long-suffering. I've got to learn to endure and um, stop making uh, rash judgments against people. Do you know what I mean? So when I'm preaching, don't ever think that I've got it down and you guys are just hearing it. And I'm saying this to the internet as well. Don't think that I've got it down pat. You guys have got I'm just preaching what God's preaching to me. Let peace rule. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace, that peace is soul harmony. Meaning your soul should find a harmonic place in Jesus that resonates peaceful thoughts and a calmness of spirit in this life. Now, you know what? Preaching to a peacetime community like we have in Adelaide, because Adelaide is really, you know, Uh, in many respects, we're not really... The church isn't going through extreme hardships in the sense we're not being persecuted outright. Uh, Adelaide's not really under economic depression of any kind to the level that we see in other countries. We have got, you know, finances are a bit tighter these days. But we're we're really missing all the stuff that's happening everywhere else in the world. It's like there's a... God's hand is over this city. And so preaching to people... In this place, and talking about these kinds of things, a lot of us go, yeah, I'm sort of pretty cool. I don't have that many problems, you know. I'm getting by this soul harmony. I'm pretty sure I've got it. But how do you know until you're put through, your, through a test of some kind? So as I'm saying this to you, I want you guys to sort of relate it into, a, into, your, into yourself as if to say, okay, can I, could I apply this even under extreme situations? Could I live like this under extreme situations? And in the situation I'm in now, am I living it like this with this sort of complete, uh, all these qualities being acted out through my life? Uh, and let the peace, which is a harmony which comes from Christ's rule, act as an umpire continually. I like that. Act as an umpire in your life, uh, in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state. So deciding and settling and finding out all questions. Any questions that we have. Now, What you can get a lot from that scripture. I'm just going to bring up one point. If a lot of the time we can question the existence of God, does Jesus actually exist? Does, uh, or in the sense, is he God? And we can have these questions come up. Does God even exist? Because there's such a huge push, especially among uh, a part of the scientific community. It's and actually, it's not as big a, uh, there's not as many scientists believe God doesn't exist as you would think, but there's a huge push in science community and all these people that get receive the teaching through the textbooks and everything else through high school and everything else, there's this huge push that God doesn't exist. and that push has had disastrous effects on the church, and we've seen a lot of this generation falling away from the faith. A lot of the younger generation, which is your generation, have been falling away from the faith and don't believe in God anymore because they believe that the scientists, who are the smart guys, must be right. And the church going, Pastor, how can he be right? He's not really educated in these things. How, what authority does he have to say what he says that God exists except the Bible? And then there's this hover push that the Bible isn't even true. It's just a man-written book, has no authority whatsoever. So why believe it? You know what I'm saying? So this push has had a terrible effect on the church. You know, my kids were talking to me the other day about kids that they know that have got um, uh, Christian parents They go to church, been going to church their whole married lives and probably before that, and they've got kids that they were supposed to bring up in the Lord, but they're not, they haven't, and the kids have fallen away. And let me just tell you, especially parents who have uh, necessarily had kids brought up in that way, a lot of the time, the thing that isn't taught in their, in their homes is apologetics. They're not taught rational reasons to believe the faith. They haven't taught, um, uh, been shown the arguments for and against the existence of God. And so a lot of the time, they have no reason. When they see uh, evolution taught in school, they just think, oh, it must be True. Because they haven't been taught about evolution by their parents and presented books by esteemed theologians and scientists who have convincingly proved that evolution is a fraud. It's a lie. right? They don't know about that, so they're ignorant. So Christianity, on the most part, is ignorant. And we're seeing our next generation, which is this current generation, they're falling away like nobody's business. And that's a worrying situation. So any parents that have problems with their children um, coming to uh, or staying in the faith, teach them apologetics. Get books by Ravi Zacharias and John Lennox and uh, William Lane Craig. Get the books. Read them to them. Read the books to them. Present the arguments. Sit down and discuss it. And we're going to talk about what God tells us to do with the Word of God as well in relation to what, how you should approach it with your family. And they also backed up with videos as well. Oh yeah, you can see uh, stacks of uh, videos of um, Ravi Lee Strobel, uh, videos. Lee Strobel videos. They're great, just as an as a taste to get into it. Um, show your kids Lee Strobel: uh, Case for the Creator, Case for Christ, Case for Faith. Really good videos to watch. Um, he's got kids, like kids, versions, he's got kids as well. versions as well. And um, there's also um, uh, lots of debates that you can watch online against um, some of the best uh, atheists in the world against. The best Christian minds in the world, and uh, from my perspective, anyway, uh, the Christian minds just blow the atheists out of the water. Like it's, there's no comparison in in how they present their case. The atheists ramble and babble a lot of the time, in comparison to the strategic, powerful arguments presented by the Christians. And some of the greatest uh, apologists were um, atheists. That's right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of scientists and. Uh, uh, like C.S. Lewis, who was known as who wrote *Mere Christianity*, which is one of the, they say one of the forerunning books of um, apologetics. Uh, he was an atheist, brought to the Lord by uh, uh, Tolkien, so I hear as the story goes, and ended up a leader in um, in uh, apologetic arguments for the faith. So yeah, we, we really got to fill our minds with this stuff because it's not uh, faith is is not just a matter of accepting things blindly. That's not what faith means. Faith means a sureness. You know, actually, there's not really many definitions in the Bible. Being sure of what is unseen, you know, knowing that this invisible realm, the things of the invisible realm are eternal and the things of the visible realm are perishing. And if you know what, that that scripture is proved. The physical realm is perishing. You know, you plant a, a vegetable in your garden and the next season it's not there. It has perished. You know, you go out into the, uh, you drive through a forest and you'll see a mix of living trees and dead trees. They're not just all living and they stay there indefinitely. We know this. So the visible realm is perishing. But the invisible realm is eternal. The Bible says that. But people think just because you can't see it, it mustn't be real. But Bill's argument is, well, you can't see air. No one can say you can see it. There's this proof. You cannot see it. It's invisible, but you can breathe it. And then they say, yeah, well, we know it's there because we breathe it. Well, that that doesn't take away the fact that it's invisible. It's invisible, but we know it's there because we breathe it. Yes, but uh, there's other things that are uh, invisible, like love. You can't see love, can you? But you cannot convince a, a, a person who's in love that they're not in love because you can't see love. It's a silly thing to try to convince them of that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, show me three pounds of love to which as members of Christ one body we were also called to live and be thankful appreciative giving praise to God always John fourteen twenty seven says peace I leave with you my peace I give with you I give you I do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid so the peace his peace he leaves with us and don't be afraid regardless of whatever comes before you uh, Philippians 4 7 says and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus so stay in Christ and he'll guard you don't get out from under his blood don't get out from Christ don't walk away from Christ because doubts enter your mind don't let a doubts what everything in, that you've believed uh, out you know what I mean one doubt Uh, This is what happens with Christians these days. They get a little doubt, and rather than go, okay, God, I'm going to give you time to give me an answer, or I'm just going to have faith and and stay the course. They get one little doubt, and they turn away altogether. They're flimsy Christians. Don't let doubts make you walk away from the faith. No, with certainty. And if you do have questions, seek them out. You know, we've got an incredible tool of the internet at the moment. You've got a question, you don't quite understand something about God, just type it in and then put a little hyphen, apologetics, and you will get a Christian answer and then read it. Is it adequate? Does it satisfy what you're asking? But don't walk away from Christ because you feel that a a question is too hard to be answered and cannot be answered. Therefore, Christianity isn't true. Too many Christians have done that. You know, over and over again I see it, or I hear about it anyway. Colossians 3.16, Let the word spoken by Christ the Messiah have its home in your hearts and minds. Let this Bible, this Bible's got to have a home in your heart, not in your house on a bookshelf getting dusty. (laughs) You've got to get the word of God out of here and you've got to get it into here and into here. Remember I said you can't just put it straight here because that will become mysticism. It's got to go through here, process through here because you won't get it in any other way. And it's got to be comprehended and grasped and then transferred into the heart. And if you do it that way and you always have a comprehension, understanding, depth of understanding, relation to it, uh, and you ask, let the, those bigger questions get asked to God and let Him give, you, give, give him time to answer them, And when you say ask a question of God, also back it up with some study, research. Don't just leave it to blind chance. Study it, research. Show God that you're really willing to find an answer. Amen? So have its home in your hearts and minds and dwell in you. So you want the Word of God to dwell in you in all its richness. You know what that, that tells me? Is that the Word of God has got to be on your tongue and it's got to be rich, coming out of your heart with passion, And a fullness that people go, wow, I love it when you speak about Jesus. I love it when you talk about the Bible. Because there's a richness to what you know. As you teach and admonish and train one another in all insight, as we teach and admonish and we lift people up and tell them about Jesus uh, with intelligence and wisdom, see? The Bible doesn't call us to be just blindly accepting the word. It says to be intelligent about it, to be wise about it in spiritual things, to be wise. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, uh, making melody to God with with his grace in your heart. So when you sing to God, it's got to be you know you're singing to a living God. You're not singing for the sake of singing. And in that, it's not how good you sing to God either. It's how much your heart reaches out to him. As I've said in the past, there's been people I've heard that have had the worst voices you could ever imagine, but the passion with which they sing just makes someone with an eloquent voice sound like they're singing, you know, you know, on the back of a (laughs) semi-trailer. Anyway, that's what came to my head. You know, you don't need a great voice. You just need passion to worship the one you love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen to twenty says, "Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Fix them, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead." Now, I love how the Jews took all that literally. They did tie these these things on them, and and maybe they were supposed to take it literally. But I, I just think, you know, everywhere we look, everything we touch, you know, tie them on your hands. So what you touch is is uh, according to Jesus Christ and. By faith in him and bind them on your foreheads, meaning this is where you, um, you know, you look in the mirror, you see it on your face, you see Christ on your face. Uh, teach them to your children. So, we're supposed to teach the word to our uh, children, talking about it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road. It's supposed to be the topic of discussion. Bill and I always, when you know, when I meet him uh, sometimes for lunch or dinner, the topic of discussion always Jesus, it's always Jesus, isn't it? have a few things about something else but then let's get on to the real thing you know enough talk about rubbish let's talk about jesus because that's that's the real thing that's the that's the meaningful conversation uh, when you lie down and when you get up so when you lie down your mind should be filled with jesus i don't know about you but when i lie down i'm i'm thinking about god i'm praying to god i'm i'm asking him to you know work through my life and work through others lives when you get up write them on your door frames and on your houses and on your gates so when you come home, the word is everywhere. Got to, that's telling us that everything about our life should be surrounded and filled with the word of God. But could you imagine what life would be like without Jesus? Have you ever imagined it? Like if you didn't have Jesus, if you came home and there was nothing mentioned of Jesus, and, and when you left the house, I didn't pray for you. You know, and Jesus wasn't, you didn't go to church, so you don't hear the word, and there was just no Jesus in your life. You know, I think about that a lot. It's an empty existence. I remember living like that once. I had an empty existence, and I filled it with entertainment. I filled it with everything I could, with drugs, with alcohol, trying to make my life full without God. And I always came back to that place of hopelessness. But if you fill your life with Jesus, and if it is full with Jesus, be thankful that it's full, and make sure it gets more full, because you wouldn't want your life to not have Him in it, especially as we know, as we as we, you know, get older and and the inevitability of death approaches, you know, um, we know that we have to have Jesus when we enter into that realm, don't we? Okay, last scripture is Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in dependence upon his person. Do everything. Everything you do, everything you touch, do it in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, when you get to your work, Nick, in the morning and you're about to use your first machine or you're about to set forth into your work day, whatever you're doing, just say, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus Christ. And away you go. Name of the Lord. Name of the Lord. Cut the metal. <laughs> sparks for the Lord <laughs> all right, so do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and independence upon his person giving praise to God the Father through him giving praise to God always 1 Corinthians 10 31 it says so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all for the glory of God praying for you eat and just remembering God throughout all your meals. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, uh, this says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So your paths and your life will go well, provided you trust in the Lord and submit to him, give thanks to him, live for him. Your life will always go well, always. You will have trouble, but he will help you through your troubles. He'll make the troubles if uh, you, he'll give you a sense of peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And, it, and in everything, if we keep this as our living, you know, uh, our way of life, then your life will, will shine. Mm-hmm. You'll get through things. People say, how are you getting through all this and you've still got a smile on your face? And you'll say, look, Jesus, he enables me to go through it. Mm-hmm. And he did say troubles, you will you will have trouble. It's not always going to be smooth. Yeah. So in conclusion, this section of Scripture really reveals to us what our lives should consist of. That's why I felt like even though it was in the next verses of our study, I felt it was a really good sermon for today because it teaches us all the elements of how we should be as Christians. And as we acknowledge that Jesus is all and is in all, that all are one in him, we then embrace Christ in all his fullness into our life. When we realise that he is all and in all, and he wants to be in every element of your life so don't feel it's wrong because i'm not a prosperity preacher right but there's nothing wrong with saying lord bless my finances you know in this day and age where people are finding it harder and harder to survive and the reason they're finding harder to survive is they can't get money pray lord bless my finances help me get a job you know this is not prosperity preaching. This is just straight out the Bible tells us so. He wants to be part of that. You know, if you're having trouble with your kids as parents, ask the Lord, bless that situation. If, you, if the kids are having trouble with their parents, <laughs> ask the Lord, bless that situation. You know, every element of your life, your schoolwork, your exams, always pray before you go into a test or do an exam at school. Remember that. I've seen some um, in our Bible study. Some of the students in the Bible study, they've, we prayed about their exams and tests and stuff, and they got through. Yeah, and they did really well, remarkably well. Okay, and the last thing I'm just going to say is we clothe ourselves with love for others, bear with them and forgive them. This is encapsulating everything we've just read. Bear with them and forgive them, put on love daily, let the peace of Christ rule our heart. We let the word dwell richly in us, and we do all things in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, time now, and I thank you that uh, you've given everyone here patience to get through the sermon with me, to, uh, to listen through it. And I just pray, Jesus, that you really do help all of these things to uh, come into our life and uh, come through in our life that uh, we'll start walking in all of these things you're talking about, putting on love, having your peace rule in our hearts and that the word dwelling richly within us, that we really do all things in your name, Lord, that these things become uh, uh, just a natural part of our daily life, that we don't have to necessarily wake up and read a whole uh, you know, passage just to get this in our head, but we just know it. It's part of us. Uh, it's, it's like the way we function. And help this to uh, emanate more and more in our lives and from our lives. And uh, I pray you just really do help us to live out this Christian life well. That none, no one here will ever fall from the faith. That we'll all stay strong, stay focused, stay with our minds set on you, our hearts set on you at all times. And Lord, when the tough questions come past in life and, and we question the faith, Lord, that you give us patience uh, in our hearts, not to just, run from the faith immediately, but that we would just be patient and ask ask you to show us the truth in relation to it. And, Lord, that you will always answer us, that you will always give us the evidence we need uh, for, the, for these tough things in life that keep getting presented to us. So we pray this in your wonderful name. We just pray your blessing over us this week. Uh, bless all of those that listen online, Lord, uh, and may they all be blessed abundantly. Uh, We pray for Tammy Levesque as well and Roman. We just pray your spirit just pour out upon them. Thank you for their support of our ministry. Um, We pray that they have a wonderful um, blessing in their ministry and in their uh, workplace and that it will continue to be blessed abundantly as they uh, seek to do your work every single day. Amen. Listening to this sermon. If you search Rob Cartledge in the iTunes store or go to www.robcartledge.com, you'll see a number of different sermon series uncovering religion, truth, judgment and eternity, apologetics 101, critical doctrine and end times. Feel free to check them out.